Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Great America Podcast with Lou Dobbs, always in the fight for truth, justice, and yes, our American way of life. And now, here he is, the Peabody award-winning voice of truth, the great Lou Dobbs. Hi, everybody, and good to have you back with us on the Great America Show, committed to truth, justice, and the American way. Our task here is to help all Americans defend and to preserve our great constitutional republic. We fight for truth while others are pushing propaganda. And foremost among those is the Marxist left and their radical allies, whether in the national media, the deep state, in the Senate, or the House, or in the White House itself under the radical Biden administration. And they have allies in our colleges and universities, our public schools, indoctrinating our young people and in corporate America, driving a coordinated message of Black Lives Matter, Antifa, pushing critical race theory and trying to drive parents and private citizens out of school boards and their rightful traditional role in deciding what will be taught our children and by whom. The left won many battles during the China virus pandemic, whether the illegal altering of election laws and regulations in a number of states, shutting down public schools, and in so doing, denied education to those who need it most. But the bigger battle is being won. Parents are beginning to once again take charge of their school boards and districts all across the country. And teachers unions and the Marxist left are being driven back by parents. The battle is far from over, but the good news is that the American way is prevailing. Externally, the United States faces a host of severe threats geopolitically and militarily, whether from China Russia, or Iran, and our economy faces unprecedented shortages of manufactured goods and products, everything from automobiles and trucks and tractors and semiconductors. The shortage of products and parts of all kinds has led to a slowing of our economy, and our capital markets, while still the most secure in the world, now face an unprecedented pressure, namely the export of hundreds of billions of dollars for investment in communist Chinese markets or direct investment of American dollars in China. Hundreds of billions of dollars that otherwise would be flowing into our markets, our businesses, and our economy. The amount of money diverted from our shores is not trivial, and the effect is more damaging to the United States than the multinational corporations, globalist Wall Street financiers, and our politicians particularly our left-wing politicians, will admit. Part of the supply chain disruption that has pushed back delivery of products and parts of all kinds is the direct result of the purposeful Chinese government policies that are aimed at slowing the flow of goods to the United States, designed to damage our economy. 
The disruptions are the result of our dependency on foreign goods, the horrific misjudgment of corporate and political leaders who offshored and outsourced American production and jobs. And for a time, we're likely to find it much harder to buy what our businesses need and what our consumers want to buy. Our international trading system is wildly out of balance. And the clear reason is the design of the communist Chinese and the misjudgment and irresponsibility of American policymakers and globalists. It will all likely get much worse before it gets much better. Joining us now is Gordon Chang, senior fellow at the Gatestone Institute, author of the great U.S.-China tech war. Gordon, a great American, a good friend, and welcome back. Gordon, let's start with China, the ships it owns that bring the goods they produce. The labor that produces those goods is under the direct control of communist China. How could our leaders in business and government have been so foolish, so venal, irresponsible to make this country utterly dependent on China? Your thoughts? Yeah, a great question. And I think that essentially we're talking about greed. We're also talking about people who are not thinking about the national interests of the United States. They're just thinking about uh, their pocketbook. And as you say, they had this globalist mindset, which they believe that it didn't really matter the form of government in China, that we'd all just get along if we could trade. And we know that they set up these global supply chains that are fragile. They stretch halfway around the world. They can work in a period of geopolitical calm. Um, in a benign period, but it's no longer benign out there, Lou, as you know. And you've been talking about this more than anybody else. You've talked about it before anybody else. And now we're starting to see what happens when you do have geopolitical tension, where you do see the Chinese manipulating things to create shortages. And therefore, we've got these extraordinary, extraordinary supply chain disruptions. These disruptions, uh, they're referred to in the business press, the popular press, the political press, without explanation. Uh, and, and President Biden himself saying basically the American people are too, too dumb to really understand supply chains and disruptions, which is utter nonsense because Biden himself doesn't understand it. And most of his advisors seem to be uh, less experienced, insufficiently knowledgeable, to grasp what's really going on here. But in just one frame, I would say this, Gordon, and I'd like you to give us your opinion on what I say about Huawei, the sanctions, and what turned out to be the, diminish the diminishment of Huawei as a corporation and an effective competitor to, to U.S. telecommunications and technical companies. And this being a response by the communist Chinese to Huawei's misfortune, and running afoul of U.S. law and former President Donald Trump. What do you think? Yeah, President Trump's designation of Huawei as uh, for the entity list run by the Commerce Department was the correct strategic move for a number of reasons, but also it was extremely effective because we have seen Huawei as a concern being crippled. And we got to remember that this is not just some private company that uh, that China has. This is a company which is actually controlled by the Chinese state, and Trump's uh, sanctions were effective. We see we see basically Huawei starting to exit some critical business lines, and Beijing right now I think is scrambling to try to figure out how to deal with this. 
Now, unfortunately, the Biden administration is not doing what's necessary to kill off Huawei, and they've let up in some critical respects. So this is something that we will need extra vigilance on. But clearly, the design that President Trump put in place um, is working and uh, indeed um, defends important American interests. Because Huawei was stealing American information and information around the world. And if it had been allowed to continue, it would have probably used 5G to manipulate American advices, to surveil on us. And so therefore, that would have been, of course, completely unacceptable. And Huawei had access uh, to most of the uh, intelligence operations, if you will, of the five, whether it be the five eyes, uh, our principal allies uh, and in the, in the Western world. Uh, and they were just simply not responding to the president's warning about Huawei's uh, intent uh, and their capabilities. It, it, it is strange. But now in, in the post-Huawei world, we're seeing this reaction by the Chinese government. Uh, it is a, a paroxysm of, of anger and retribution on the part of the communist Chinese. And I'm wondering if it ends with supply chain disruptions and how long uh, they will be permitted to go on. Yeah, certainly um, the effectiveness of uh, the Trump sanctions on Huawei is reflected, as you point out, in what the Chinese have been saying. And clearly right now, I think Beijing is retaliating in a number of ways, including aggravating the supply chain disruptions, which are primarily caused on the other side of the Pacific. So this is a clear connection, which I think will become much better known as we learn more and more about how these supply chain disruptions have actually occurred. And the fact that the United States still remains 70, 70, I wish 70, 90 percent dependent on China for its pharmaceuticals and pharmaceutical ingredients uh, remains absolutely, uh, absolutely uh, dependent on China and uh, Southeast Asia for our clothing, primarily. Uh, it, it's stunning to think what we have permitted in the way of our dependencies to be actually enlarged uh, on a communist nation uh, rather than reduced and, and independence being the, the strategic goal of the United States rather than dependency. Yes, well, just to take a look at pharmaceuticals and active pharmaceutical ingredients, as you say, um, we get about 90% of those from China. And we have known from time to time that uh, China has put adulterated pharmaceuticals into the stream of commerce into the United States, and Americans right. have died, most notably heparin. Um, but it's also other things. Uh, so, for instance, surveillance cameras, um, those could possibly be feeding back all sorts of information to China. And it's clear that the drones um, and China controls the drone market in the world, they um, stream information into the cloud where China captured it. So, for instance, the Biden administration, the FBI and the Secret Service have been buying uh, drones from DJI, the Shenzhen based company. Right. And that's supposed to be for operations. And that means that China can look into the White House or wherever the Secret Service is flying those drones. And this is just uh, inexplicable, Lou. I don't understand why the Biden administration would do this. They weren't buying those drones for reverse engineering. They actually publicly said they were buying these drones for operations. Yeah, And for the Biden administration to blithely go ahead with that 
suggests a, a, a wanton uh, disregard for national security uh, and for the clear warnings of the intelligence uh, department. Uh, I have a DJI drone in all, uh, in all disclosure, which is, well, it means that the Communist Chinese Party has gotten a good look uh, at uh, my uh, pastures for some of my horses, but that's about it, I think. Uh, I, I just can't imagine why in the world the administration would uh, permit such a thing. Uh, but then again, there are so many questions about why uh, President Biden has uh, permitted so much. Now, the conversation uh, with President Xi, a virtual summit, if you will, uh, that's probably too, too uh, you know, glorified a term for a, a phone call, but it's, uh, it's what it is. The president making it clear to Xi that he wants them to live by the rules of uh, uh, conduct and behavior of civilized nations, and President Xi making it clear to Biden that he doesn't want the United States to support Taiwan effectively. Your thoughts? Yes. The, the Biden administration um, has a view of China, which is um, certainly wrong and outdated. And, and it's, I think it's important to take a look at um, what the Biden team was saying before the Zoom call, because it really is a glorified Zoom call, as you point out. They were saying that they weren't looking for specific deliverables. Really, what they wanted to do was to establish guardrails, as they put it. <laughs> now, Lou, we've had intensive diplomacy with China for a half decade. And if, if after a half decade, I mean a half century, if, if what we're thinking of is asking the Chinese not to kill Americans with coronavirus and fentanyl, if we're asking them not to steal hundreds of billions of dollars of U.S. intellectual property each year, if we're asking them not to foment violence as a means of overthrowing the American government, then our approach to China has really been wrong. I mean, after a half century, we clearly need to be on firmer ground. And I think it's because you can't talk to a militant totalitarian regime. You recognize that from the very beginning. But unfortunately, the Biden team is still hoping beyond hope that they can get China to, as you say, play by the rules. And Xi Jinping is saying, uh, nope, we're not playing by anybody's rules except for China's, which means that there are no rules because China does conduct unrestricted warfare. Unrestricted warfare and, and, and acknowledge uh, that they are doing so. They call the they have labeled the relationship between the United States and China one of war. Uh, isn't that correct? It, it is. In May 2019, People's Daily, which is the most authoritative publication in China, carried a piece that declared a quote unquote people's war on the United States. During that month, that was one of three People's Daily pieces that spoke about the U.S. in militant terms. And this hostility has continued to the present day. So, for instance, on August 29th, People's Daily ran an editorial that accused the United States of committing, quote unquote, barbaric acts against China. And this was also after a series of extremely hostile propaganda releases. Now, we Americans don't pay much attention to propaganda, but in this case, we should, because what China is doing is, as James Lilly, our ambassador to Beijing once said, China telegraphs its punches. And I believe that they're establishing a justification for a strike on America or on American interests. That's why we need to start 
looking at what the Chinese are actually saying about us. Yeah, and we've heard some bellicose and uh, threatening language for years now from Beijing. And and as we have heard that language, they have uh, built out the islands that uh, are in dispute, uh, claimed by a number of countries. Uh, but those are solidly now uh, the property of the uh, CCP and uh, the People's Republic of China because they built those islands out. They have put in defense uh, weaponry and obviously intend to stay. And there has been no repercussion whatsoever from the West, from the United States, from our allies. And they have about the same level of respect, I would think, uh, for U.S. Uh, retaliation or for response as do uh, the Russians for uh, European responses to the taking of Crimea. What do you think? Well, certainly, Lou. Um as Afghanistan was falling, um, both People's Daily and Global Times, which People's Daily controls, um, started uh, propaganda narratives that the United States was incapable. Um, one of their themes was that because the U.S. couldn't deal with the Taliban, it had no hope of countering a magnificent China. And so it showed the clear disrespect for the Biden team. And this goes back to mid-March when China sent its top two diplomats to Anchorage to meet Secretary of State Antony Blinken and National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. And Yang Jiaxi, who is China's number one diplomat, actually said in a public forum in the beginning that the United States could no longer talk to China from a position of strength, telling us that deterrence was breaking down. The reason why this is important at this particular moment is that we have Russia um, massing troops on the Ukraine border. They're also pressuring Poland, a NATO ally. They're doing that through Belarus. And it shows that Putin is, doesn't respect Biden. Remember, one of the most important things that Biden did in his first days in office was to remove the sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, thereby giving Russia even more a stranglehold on natural gas supplies in Western Europe. And Biden got nothing in return for that. And I think Putin saw that. He has seen the failure in Afghanistan. He's seen the disarray in the administration. And he thinks he can make his move. Remember, Russia and China coordinate their foreign policies, they coordinate their military activities, and we're seeing both Moscow and Beijing at this moment trying to redraw the map through force. To redraw the map, and that map uh, is already being, uh, well, I've penciled in with more Chinese, communist Chinese interests, uh, whether it be in the South China Sea, whether it be the taking of Hong Kong, because it is precisely that. It is the takeover uh, from what was once handed over by the British. Uh, Xi Jinping making it very clear who he is and what he intends, and that is the dominance of the People's Republic of China as a, as a world power. Uh, at, this, at this juncture, how deeply concerned should we be about the about President Biden, who appears to be in some ways impaired? Uh, one can argue about the extent of that impairment, but there's no question he is a man in uh, frail health, and the nation itself seems enfeebled because of his weak leadership. Uh, how great do you see the dangers? How great do you see the threats? We could lose our country, Lou. The United States is, by the metrics, a more powerful country than China. 
But China has been maliciously assaulting us, attacking us, and the Biden administration doesn't perceive that. They see that China as a competitor. Well, it's not a competitor. It's not even an adversary. It's an enemy. And if we don't defend ourselves, we will lose our country. So, yes, we should be extremely concerned that uh, the president of the United States, the one who is constitutionally charged with defending the American Republic, is not doing so. Well, and there, as we conclude here, I want to get uh, your thoughts on, a, uh, on overall uh, the competition um, and the confrontation between the United States and China. McKinsey reporting that global wealth has surged over the course of the past two decades, the world benefiting, that world worth has tripled in two decades. And in the process, China has overtaken, at least in the metrics employed by McKinsey, overtaken the United States to be number one in the world in wealth, the United States second. You get the last word here. Your thoughts, Gordon. The thing that I'm concerned about is that China is going through a debt crisis now. A lot of that wealth that McKinsey measures is in property. Property prices are falling, and property uh, constitutes about a thir- uh, 30% of the Chinese economy. That means Xi Jinping uh, can see a closing window of opportunity. That means he can lash out. There are a lot of internal reasons for him to do that. And so we're not, um, w- w- he's not playing by any rules. Um, he's also uh, calculates his interests very differently than we do. And that means he can take the Biden administration by surprise. So the American people are going to have to be vigilant um, because apparently the guy in the Oval Office is not. Gordon Chang, as always, great to have you here. Thanks so much. We appreciate it, Gordon. Look forward to seeing you soon. Gordon, thank you, Chang. Thank you. That was Gordon Chang, one of the foremost, if not the foremost authorities on the designs of communist China toward the Western world. We continue with the Great America Show in just moments. Stay with us. President Biden has been pushing through trillions of dollars in spending bills to further stimulate an overstimulated economy, and yes, markets as well. So what now does Mr. Biden do? Well, he claims outrageously that his stimulus spending is not inflationary at all, but is actually an anti-inflation program defying all logic, all economic theory, and even the heads of radical Dems are exploding all over Washington, D.C. Not only does Mr. Biden claim stimulus is anti-inflationary, but he now claims energy companies, particularly oil and gas companies, are price gouging, and he wants an investigation. Doggone it. You can't make up this president and the mad things he says and does, and if you could, my bet is you wouldn't. None of us would. Our Federal Reserve at times acts as though they enjoy turning economic policy upside down as well. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell had an early tutorial in Fed chairmanship but he seems to at least have given up trying to lead markets, and that's a good sign if he does indeed keep his job. On the other hand, Mr. Biden has chosen a Marxist left-winger to become the nation's top banking regulator. She is educated in the Soviet Union, wants to transfer all bank deposits to Fed accounts, as she put it in her redesign of the U.S. financial system. 
Feeling better about it all? Yes, me too. Her name is Sole Omarova. And joining us to give his perspective on the state of the economy, our prospects for prosperity under this particular president and his zany administration is Steve Hankey. Steve is professor of applied economics at Johns Hopkins University. He's also a senior advisor to governments all over the world on monetary policy and markets. He's also a well-known currency and commodity trader. He's considered by most to be the world's leading expert on hyperinflation. My using the word hyperinflation should give you some sense of how much trouble I think our economy could be in. Let's see what Steve thinks. Steve, it is great to see you again. Great to have you with us on The Great America Show. Great to be with you, Lou. Steve, I love the fact, by the way, that you, uh, with your extraordinary hyperkinetic schedule and interest, that you were once a professor at the Colorado School of Mines, which I think the world would like to know, but which I would like to share even if they don't, as a high school student was among my somewhat romantic uh, idea of where I might like to go to college. It was not to be, but I still have great affection for the Colorado School of Mines and, of course, John Hopkins, where you teach and have for so long. So let's get to the point. How threatened is our economy by rising prices and inflation well above Fed targets. We're in dire, deep water. You mentioned Chairman Powell. Now, uh, you, you mentioned a couple of things, Lou, in your intro. In inflation, of course, we have the highest inflation rate that we've had in 30 years. It's uh, clicking along at 6.2% per annum. Uh, over a year ago, I predicted that we would end the year at 6% or a little above. Uh, that was with work I did with John Greenwood, who's the chief economist at Invesco in London. You know, that's that's that little outfit managing $1.6 trillion right. in assets. And John and I have... A, a, shall we say a different approach than virtually any, anyone out there? We we are in, in the mold of Milton Friedman. Remember Milton Friedman, the well, great as monetarist. Matter, as a matter of fact, I trudged through the snow as a sophomore at Harvard uh, with some buddies. Uh, our idea of fun was to uh, to go listen to a, a great debate between Paul Samuelson and Milton Friedman at MIT. And it was on that, after watching that performance of Milton Friedman, uh, that I decided to to major in economics at Harvard. So, I mean, and yes, I do remember vividly. He and Rose well, uh, now, were great friends. And, 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 and Milton, of course, was one of my mentors. And, right. and Milton taught us, Lou, that inflation everywhere and always or always and everywhere is a monetary phenomenon. It's, it's all about money. Forget yep. this supply chain nonsense and, uh, you know, car prices going up, oil and gas supply chains, the, the, port, the ports in Los Angeles and, and Long Beach. Those are ad hoc explanations for inflation. They actually only explain relative price movement. Some prices move up more than others move up, and sometimes they go down and so forth. Inflation is, is a general weighted average of all the prices going on in the economy. And, and as I say, it's at a 30-year high right now. 
It has nothing to do with supply chains. It has everything to do with the fact that the Fed has been yeah. pumping up the money supply ever since COVID broke out uh, in early 2020. And, and we have a chairman of the Fed, Powell, who in testimony in February, hit a back and forth with Senator Kennedy from Louisiana, Powell actually said, money doesn't matter. M2, that broad measure of the money supply, he said is irrelevant. It doesn't yeah. have anything to do with inflation or the economy. Now, how in the world a chairman of the most important central bank in the world, the U.S. Federal Reserve, could make a statement like that is just beyond belief well, for any, any economist. Well, so let me ask what, you this. Let me ask you. I'm sorry, Steve. Let me let ask ahead. you this. Uh, what do you make of a president who says that trillions of dollars in stimulus spending is anti-inflationary and doesn't well, get is, called to account by it uh, in the popular press uh, from the uh, Republican Party or anyone else? Well, he, he not only he isn't being called to account, he's had 17 Nobel laureates that have endorsed this nonsensical idea <laughs> that, that the stimulus program is going to be a, a big inflation fighter. It has nothing whatever to do with inflation. Inflation is a monetary phenomenon, period. Mm. So what? What? Uh, why, why is inflation up? It's up because the Fed has pumped in $5.5 trillion of new money since COVID started. Right. And, 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 and this, we, we basically have had about a 35% increase in the money supply, unprecedented since World War II, by the way. And once you put money in, in what I call a Greenwood hanky monetary bathtub, you, you, you turn on the faucet, turn on the tap, you run a lot of money in there, and then there are two drains in the tub, normal drains. One drain fuels real economic activity and real growth, and the other accommodates the increased demand from people to hold money and money market accounts, savings account, cash in their pocket, all these things. That, that is absorbed. Those two drains have absorbed only about a third of what's been put in the tub. So what happens with the excess? It goes in the overflow, and the overflow is the inflation flow. Right. And, and that happens, Lou, in about a two-year lag. So that's just starting to hit us now. And that's why this idea of transitory you read this in the press over and over. The press has, has <laughs> repeats this thing. It's just an echo chamber, no analysis whatsoever. We have temporary inflation, supposedly. Right. Nonsense. We, we have persistent. This is going to continue at about this 6% rate. We'll be there at the end of this year when, when we turn over a new calendar. The end of the next year, the end of the next year, and 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 into so, 2024. So people, Steve, everyday folks like me, when uh, we go to buy something, whether it's a car, uh, whether it's a you know a piece of uh, equipment, uh, or to the grocery store or to the drugstore, we're seeing prices go through the roof. And the question is, why now, and why all of this blather about supply chains? Because all we know is. 
It takes now six months to order a vehicle. It takes three months to get a, a piece of furniture delivered. And the price is 40% higher often on those products than they were a year ago. What do we do and how and which of these policies? We got eight and a half trillion dollars thereabouts on the, uh, the the Fed's balance sheet. We've got over thirty trillion dollars in national debt and rising. What are we to do here? Well, a, a lot of what you, you see in the press is really just a distraction, and 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 it's a distraction like now. Biden is going after the oil companies. You see, they're right. gouging us. The reason the reason gas prices are going up, it doesn't have anything to do with, with this mass of excess money that's in the bathtub. It has nothing to do with that. It, it's the it's the greedy capitalist and 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 monopolist running the oil companies that we have to investigate about these gas price increases. This this is this is exactly what we're we're going to get a replay of Jimmy Carter in the seventies. That's what's going on. This they're they're not focused on the cause of inflation, but all these other ad hoc excuses and so forth. And uh, you know we we have to have price controls on drugs and pharmaceuticals because that's why the prices are going up. The pharmaceutical companies have monopoly power and so forth. So I think we're really headed down the wrong track completely on the inflation problem because no one will confess what the source is. Contrary to what Joe Biden said during the campaign, Biden said Milton Friedman isn't running the show anymore. No, Milton Friedman is running the show. Yeah. And, and in fact, when you look at Biden, <laughs> the lesson there is Either you run the show or the show runs you. And what's happening, the inflation show is running Biden. Well, I, it, it comes down to this, because I think there, there, there are some issues around that, Steve, and I want, to, I want your, your perspective on it. First of all, I don't believe there's a supply chain disruption. I believe that uh, communist China is disrupting the so-called supply chain, and quite intentionally, and in retaliation for Huawei sanctions that uh, President Trump and the U.S. government put on them, which has been devastating to Huawei. This is a response. We remain 97% dependent on pharmaceuticals and pharmaceutical ingredients from China. And at the same time, they control uh, all uh, container shipping around the world, nearly all of it. Uh, it's it's and well, these, not, are not, not, these are not, these are not accidents. These are stratagems. Yeah. Well, let, let, let me uh, take issue with you a little bit on this. Sure. I like that. Uh, that's not the way I see it at all. Lou. The, the 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 China. I'm 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 looking at the supply chain thing, and and we have the the same kind of supply chain disruptions are occurring in China in China they have a, mm -hmm. they have a tremendous number of supply chain bottlenecks glitches and so forth going on the same thing is occurring in Japan the same thing is occurring in Switzerland and right. the inflation rate in China Japan and Switzerland is less than 1% per annum and they have the same supply chain uh, problem. So 
we can just forget about the supply chain thing. It's all a mo- the money supply and the growth in the money supply. And, and the money supply is well-behaved in China, Japan, and Switzerland. They do not have a Federal Reserve that's gone bonkers with modern monetary theory and all, all these other notions. Well, don't that don't you around. agree, Steve? that the Federal Reserve is sort of, uh, as it were, paid to go bonkers because they are supporting uh, the world's reserve currency, unless you include uh, Bitcoin now as the the primary uh, reserve, which I know you don't. Uh, So we we got eight and a half trillion dollars on our balance sheet that's supporting uh, the financial uh, financial systems of uh, at least the the Western world. Uh, And they're they're taking on all sorts of missions that uh, that are not uh, theirs, at least by design. Yeah, well, here, here's what's going on with the, the, the Fed. And, and you say, well, why is the money pump going been going so hard? The, the government spending has gone uh, bonkers. The, the fiscal deficit has gone bonkers. And, and who has been monetizing that debt? The Fed, the the Fed has Absolutely. been buying the government bonds. That's why the balance sheet of the Fed has been expanding so rapidly. That's why the money supply, the rate of growth in the money supply, is is growing. They they slowed it down. It isn't exploding anymore, but it's still growing. M two over twelve percent per annum, and it would have to be growing at five to six percent if, in fact, the Fed was trying to hit its inflation target of 2%. So it's still growing. Even even after they slowed things down, it's still growing twice as fast as it should be growing. And and the reason for that is they're accommodating, they're playing ball with with Biden and the White House and and all the libs on Capitol Hill that want to spend money. Because let's, 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 uh, let's be fair here. They were also playing ball uh, eventually with the Trump administration and Steve Mnuchin and the same uh, agencies and departments that were trying to stave off the impact and consequences of uh, the China virus pandemic. So but then, uh, you know, with uh, with the pandemic easing, the Biden administration saw that as an opportunity to put the pedal to the metal. And they have done so. Uh, I don't believe it's an accident in any way uh, in terms of what is happening with fiscal policy. I don't think it's an accident either with monetary policy. I think you're exactly right about the foundation of uh, uh, inflation. I I would only disagree that uh, I don't see a break on inflation here, uh, whether it would be coming from either fiscal policy or monetary policy. Oh, I, I, I don't either, because if you if you go out to what John Greenwood at Invesco and I have done, we, we've we've not only looked at what the, the, the amount of money that's been put in the monetary bathtub. OK, and you, you've got this huge excess amount that's already in there, already in there. So this means we're going to have persistent inflation through 2024. But if you if you simulate out what the Fed will probably do, they will taper and slow the money, money growth down, get it into the 5 or 6% range, probably, hopefully. But what does that mean? That means 
that we're going to still have a huge amount of excess going into the monetary bathtub and in the inflation overflow for some time. And that's why I say everybody's got to wake up. We're going to have around 6% inflation and probably until the end of 2024. Now, that's a, that's under a good scenario, by the way. It, it could actually be worse if, if the Fed doesn't slow the rate of growth down to that 5 to 6% level. Well, there, from yeah, there is a countervailing consequence here, though. Uh, if the Fed does, and what we witnessed, uh, you know, in the early days of the Trump administration is Jerome Powell takes the car out for a spin and he finds himself uh, trying to get ahead of the markets and and creating serious problems for the economy. If they try to break, uh, the, you know, trying to do $120 billion a month in so-called tapering against $8.5 trillion, we're not going to see a lot of consequence. But to come up with a nominal number, uh, like $120 billion without having uh, modeled out the consequence of that, and I'm sure they have not, uh, is to me silly. And the American people want to know, will my mortgage uh, interest rates uh, permit me to buy a new house? Will my current mega uh, mortgage uh, be relatively secure against uh, inflation and uh, the prospect of uh, higher uh, rates if they happen to be adjustable. This is a this is a tough time. And how am I going to buy a car when it takes me six months to get it? And now I'm looking at nine uh, percent interest rates all of the 1970s and 80s. And, and you can add to that if if you're a wage earner, your 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 paycheck is not going up as fast as inflation is eating right. away. So this is just a, a theft. You, you've got you've got a pickpocket in there taking money out of your wallet, uh, and and the real inflation adjusted wage you're receiving is going down, not up. Mm -hmm. Well, and what is the impact on Wall Street? We're looking at uh, you know strong numbers here of late, uh, but at the same time we're watching all of the major Wall Street firms start pushing investment in China. Uh, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, in the credit markets or whether it's equities. And I, we're talking about uh, hundreds of billions of dollars, uh, possibly per month. My, my only view on that is that I, I think there will be a, a, a lot of tears um, shed uh, on some of these investments, because as the Fed starts tightening up, which they eventually will, because the sequence is very clear. You expand the money supply, eventually you get inflation, and interest rates, you mentioned mortgages, interest rates follow inflation. Yep. Inflation goes up, and eventually interest rates on, on the long end, uh, you know, those, those over two years in duration, for sure, are going to go up, and that, that's going to catch mortgages. And... It will also mean when these interest rates go up, Lou, that the multiples on the stock market will come way down, and yep. we're going to see a pretty big correction down the road here in the stock market as a result of this monetary misbehavior and this fin fiscal spending spree that we've been on. Ultimately, the inflation leads to higher interest rates and lower multiples 
in the stock market. And lower multiples in this case, given the multiples that we're looking at historically, uh, this would be quite a break in the market uh, if the uh, worst case scenario were to occur. I want to. I want to. I want to ask you a absolutely, and and what what inter- internationally? Now you mentioned China and the China market. This, this right now, with all this excess money, we're, we're we're in a risk. What they call a risk on situation. People people go into risky things. They go on to it, but as the tightening occurs and these multiples come down and the stock market starts correcting, you're going to see a risk off situation where people pull their money back into safe harbors, things that they view as less risky. And and that will mean pulling things away from China because that is a risky place. Any way you want to cut it, China is a risky place. But meanwhile, Wall Street and their favored, uh, if you will, offshore uh, target for the for investor money, uh, they're 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 without question recommending and driving capital to to China, and irresponsibly so. And you don't hear a word from the SEC, and of course none of the private economists are uh, talking about the 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 reality that this should be a risk off moment uh, for everyone, given the slowdown in the economy in China and the unexplained level of uh, the China-Wuhan virus uh, that's having some effect. Uh, many uh, experts believe that that's one of the reasons for the current slowdown in the, in the Chinese economy. So we're being poorly served by Wall Street right now uh, in terms of uh, targeting investment well, it, it, uh, and, it, it, and, guy, and, Sher- and playing Sherpa to our money and the destination still China. When you look at Wall Street and the investment banks, uh, they're they're on 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 the same nutty supply chain kind of explanation, ad hoc explanations for inflation. If you read the press or you read investment bank reports, you don't never they never even mention the word money. <laughs> How in the world can you be talking about inflation, analyzing inflation, and never mention the word money? It, it, they're exactly like Jerome Powell in his February back and forth testimony with Senator Kennedy when he said money is irrelevant, money doesn't matter. Well, yep. money money does matter. I mean, Milton, Milton Friedman is running the show. Yep, and Steve, I want to say I yeah, this has been a great. This uh, we've gone farther into the weeds than uh, probably we should have, and I and appreciate the audience uh, staying with us through this. Uh, but what Steve Hankey has been saying is critically important uh, for you to hear. Uh, risk off, I, in my judgment, and Steve, you correct me uh, if I'm wrong, I personally believe it is time for risk off for every uh, investor because the signs are so clear. The level of price increases is so extraordinary. Uh, I, I, I would just say that it's risk off now, irrespective of what your friend at uh, Wall Street uh uh, you know, firm that has your account is saying, uh, think about if I would caution you uh, as a, an investor to think about risk off. Your, your thoughts, you get the last word, Steve. I completely agree with your statement about risk off. Risk, keep 
your eye on the central bank. That is what the source is of the problem. And so are they going to be slowing down the money supply growth? How fast are they going to slow it down? It will be disruptive as they slow it down because eventually they're, they're going to have to fight inflation. The, what, what's happening right now, Lou, is that President Biden's hit the panic button. And you know very well that you can't predict, actually, what's going to happen in a panic. If you have a panic in a, in a movie theater, you don't know what in the world's going to happen with you. And that's why you want to be in this risk-off mode. The president has hit the panic button. He doesn't really understand or know what he's doing. He has very poor advice and poor advisors. And we don't know what they will do to fight the inflation problem. Will they go the Jimmy Carter kind of route and fool around with these ad hoc kind of notions? Or will they finally get some sense and, and go with Milton Friedman and realize what the real problem is, the money supply growth, and start slowing it down? We, we don't know what they're going to do. And, in that, and when you don't know what they're going to do, to react to a problem, you, you have to go risk off. Steve Hankey, we thank you for being with us. I've got one, just re- we're over, but I want to ask you one last quick question uh, with, a, uh, with a quick, if you may, answer. Okay. What is the safe harbor for investors right now when they go risk off? Well, if, if you really want safe harbor, uh, you've got infl- uh, U.S. government inflation-protected securities, TIPS. Right. I mean that, that's a that's a very conservative thing, but it's a it's a it's a winner. I mean, there's it's it's, it's a, not going to make you a fortune, but you don't want to be losing. You don't want to be losing real purchasing power or real value of your assets. So that that would be one sure bet, safe fire, a, a, a safe and, harbor. Yeah, and great counsel from Steve Hankey as always. Steve, I hope you'll come back with us soon. Uh, we have so much to talk about. I, I wanted to get into Venezuela, crypto, uh, Bitcoin, uh, what is happening let, in Europe, let, water resources in this country. But we're going let's to do that. In our, let's do that in our next session. You got a deal. Uh, see you soon. And thanks okay, so much, thank Steve. you, Lou. Steve Hankey, uh, a man that uh, we think it's important for you to to listen to, uh, whose thinking is, uh, I think, uh, should be forefront in your investment considerations uh, and your understanding of what is happening when people talk about hyperinflation, stagflation. Uh, this uh, Steve Hankey uh, knows very well uh, the issues and uh, many of the solutions. Uh, Steve Hankey, thanks again. Join us again tomorrow for the Great America podcast. Stay in the fight. Truth, justice, and the American way will prevail against all enemies, against all odds.